Hi, I'm Harry Raymond. I'm the co-founder of Swig, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp. I am joined today by someone who's going to help us understand what it's like to develop games and the things that we can learn along the way. Uh, his name is Jason Polanski, and he is the co-founder of PD Games, but also very importantly, he's the creator of Fat Man Rolling. So if you've got your phones, you're listening to this, just pause the podcast, go and download the game Fat Man Rolling. It's on the uh, it's on the app stores and then come back and listen to this great episode. So Jason, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. I will I will just say uh, App Store singular. Uh, we are currently only on iOS right now. So if you have an Android and you've paused the apps and you've paused the podcast and want to come back <laughs> and find that it's not available, I apologize. Well, you've answered my first question, which is which is the better uh, system to develop? Well, you know, it's a common question I get from most uh, developers that reach out to me is, "What should I do? Should I do the Android uh, marketplace, Google Play first, or should I do an iOS?" You've answered it there. It sounds like iOS is the better one to start with. Well, sort of, right? It's not. It's not so much easy as A or B, right? Usually, you want to say, "Well, what am I creating?" What am I going to make? What's the game that I'm going to create? And what we decided to create here was uh, the game Fat Man Rolling, which is primarily a 2D game and very silly over the top, but it's but the gameplay is all two-dimensional. So originally, when the programmer um, who... I'm, I'm just going to name drop the whole team at some point over the course of this podcast. Yeah, go so for our, it. Our, our programmer, uh, Ethan Cow, he's uh, who's actually a full-timer at LinkedIn, he, uh, I'm going to name drop companies. If I need to. <laughs> uh, he he decided that he was he he's I, I played hockey with him and I told him about this idea and he and he got into it. He says, "Oh, I like it. It's cool." So we started prototyping it. And the first thing we thought was, "Oh, we'll go to Unity. That's the go-to. That's the go-to development platform for any kind of indie game. A lot of the games are developed in Unity." So what we had was this. He, he made in about a day or two a a, a, a ball rolling in just an empty space. And then after about a week of having that, he said, uh, this is kind of dumb. We got a 2D game and we're using a 3D platform. Uh, we should use, we should be using a 2D, a 2D engine. So we switched over to Cocos 2D, which became even better because our artist, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Parr, P-A-A-R, guy is awesome, awesome work who did initial concepts, art before we did anything. Uh, he, he was everything he was doing was hand drawn. So combining hand drawn art with a 3D engine didn't make any sense, but combining hand drawn art with 2D gameplay in a 2D engine made all the sense in the world. So we developed in uh, Cocos 2D. And that pretty much answered the question of platform right away. Uh, as far as ease to develop for uh, using Cocos 2D, it's, it's, only for iOS. It doesn't actually have um, porting capabilities to Android or Windows Phone or any of those other ones. But so, so you're kind of limited to that box. That's the downside. There are porting tools and there's something called Cocos 2DX. But otherwise, we were limited to iOS, which also made life easier because you have such a limited scope of devices as opposed to Android where you, know, you, got, a, you got about two or three every week coming out new specs and everything, different dimensions, tablets, all, all sorts of devices. It's just, you know, overwhelming, especially when it comes to QA. 
So, Jason, uh, the, you're competing against uh, companies that have multi-million pound budgets and they have teams of hundreds of developers, you know, big hangers of uh, guys working on the games. And uh, I guess from your perspective, uh, did you create Fat Man Rolling as a, a business strategy for your company? Was it a side project for a bit of fun? Perhaps you give us an idea of your thinking and, and how, you know, what it meant to you. Yeah, this is strictly a side project and still is. Uh, everybody that's working on it pretty much works full time. And this is something that we did in our free time over the course of a longer period than I'd like to admit. Uh, but the strategy itself is more to try to make something. I mean, it, w- it would be nice to get some money out of it, uh, but we can get into that later. But the the main thing was I wanted to create something that was original. So I was working for a company that did a lot of um, advert games. We did a lot of promotional games for companies based on other brands, other products. And there was the occasional game that we would do that would actually that that would be somewhat original based on the requirements of a client. But at the end of the day, you were still working for a client. And what I wanted to do is make something that was that was my own. That was something that was original, something fun, something cool. And uh, and before we did anything, we just started brainstorming a, a bunch of different ideas. And me and uh, two friends of mine, one of them was not involved in the project. Uh, the, the other one is uh, the partner of PD Games, uh, a guy by the name of Rob, Rob Montesano. And there you go. I've just name dropped the whole team. So that only well, took I'd love to talk minutes. about the team, actually, Jason, because yeah, sure. I, I think that a lot of people listening to this, sometimes they feel like they have to find the thing that will enable them to leave their job because they're not getting the creative independence they may have in a corporate job. But what you're giving us, you know, the idea of is just doing a creative project on the side and getting that fulfillment of doing something creative in, in, in your spare time. And we have a lot of spare time if we think about it. But how do you how do you get people motivated around you who are working full time, who get initially, I guess, you know, get the big buzz of working on a game and then, you know, you never see any work from them and they just don't have time. How, how did you keep everyone focused on the project? It was hard. Uh, if if you play the game and you realize how much of a seemingly simple concept it is, it it took a long time to develop. I mean, working at it maybe a couple hours each week, you just kind of chip it away minute by minute. Where if you had a if you had a team of guys working full time on it, you're talking about maybe two or three months of work. But if you're working on it in a uh, if you're working on it part time like we were, then it's going to take the the year, two years that it takes to make it. And that the motivation just comes from everybody getting excited behind the concept itself, the idea of it all. Um, and it, it was difficult. It definitely is difficult. Sometimes you'd lose some motivation. There was some definite uh, when well, let me put it this way. When guys are working full time, and especially for the terms that we did it, so nobody, we, we didn't really, we didn't pay anybody that was working on it. Nobody that was working on this was getting paid. We were all doing it for a, a revenue share of of whatever we got, which at the moment, again, we get get into that, but at the moment, it's nothing. No, nobody's gotten anything back from it in the, in the time the this the app's been live because we haven't we haven't made enough money to get a check from apple (laughs) so well i mean it's important that we talk about this because this is an authentic podcast and honestly the number of people that come to me with this pie sky idea of thinking they're going to be the next whatsapp and they're going to quit their job they're going to build a game or build you know some kind of utility app and it's going to feed them and the family for years to come and i just feel like 
you know, sort of giving people a sense check of what the reality is and how tough it is. So I'm guessing that you put the game on and uh, and there, so far there's not been much of a take up on the uh, game. But, but yeah, let's talk about that money. Yeah. So I had a game. There's a game on the App Store called Cyber Defense, which is a game I worked on at my uh, at my previous job. And that was an original game. And it would start off as okay. It was free. It was a freemium game. It was free to download. And then we had a few in-app purchases. And it didn't make that much money. However, the one thing that happened was about a week in, it was featured by Apple. So it got like over uh, almost 350,000, 400,000 downloads over the span of two weeks because it was featured and then it went to hot apps. And then after that, it disappeared off the face of the earth. People still download the game today. You still get about 35 downloads a day or so, but nobody's really buying anything. And I looked at that and I said, all right, well, that was cool. If you can make a cool concept, maybe Apple will feature it and then you'll get that. So having that free app basically gave you a loss of that much revenue. Now, knowing that that was just a complete crapshoot is just it's just something that you have to come to come to the realization of where okay i have i have an application i'm putting it out there and i'm hoping for the one a million chance that apple's going to feature it and that's that's a ridiculous thought pie in the sky but at the same time i figured hey, you know what if somebody realized about this game we don't have a great we don't have a monetization strategy because i'm more of a purist uh, when it comes to the ga- games themselves, I, I don't. I'm not a fan of just trying to come up with some economic model that's going to gouge people of their money, um, in, in in you know more. Um, uh, yeah, I guess uh, unethical ways. methods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll yeah, I mean, I was right my words. kids were playing the other day uh, this I don't know game or something, but there's this very clever way of uh, an ad popping up just above the play or over the play button, and it's timed perfectly to uh, be the same time as your finger takes to get to the button, and so the the number of uh, fake clicks they must be getting, uh, you know, is uh, so. So there's obviously unethical ways of uh, kind of building a revenue stream, but you're a purist. Yeah, but so to answer your question, we uh, we put it out for a dollar. I said, all right, let's put it out for a dollar. Then if we get featured, we don't lose out on that revenue. So the actual game itself, there's no, there's one in-app purchase in the game. Uh, you can purchase. Well, I guess I should just go into saying what the game actually is. Yeah, in case, please do. In case you haven't uh, downloaded it, or you're saying, all right, why well, should I downloaded it? It's at, at its core, it's a, it's an auto runner uh, where you actually play as a rolling fat man. And you collect food to, and you're rolling through the woods, and you collect food to get larger. If you don't eat food, you get smaller. The bigger you are, the faster you roll. The smaller you are, the slower you roll, but you have easy maneuverability. Um, about halfway through any given section, you'll be chased by bears, by a bear, I should say. And you can guide this bear into rocks and wear it down. So it's kind of like a boss fight in a runner game. And that was kind of one of the twists we wanted to put on it. And then the last part of it is when you wear the bear down enough health, he will flip over you, in which case you can roll up to it and ride it and then collect coins. And coins are used for power-ups, for things that will make you grow faster, shrink slower, or uh, double coins. So uh, that, that's the concept at its core. And we have one in-app purchase that can get you coins. But it's so easy to get coins that even in the game itself, we call it more of a donation with perks. And that's the only in-app purchase we have. And we don't, we never at any point say, hey, buy some coins. We never, we never push that on anybody. It's there if you want it. And we decide to charge a dollar for it. 
nobody nobody really downloaded it. I'd say we got probably about 90 downloads in total for paid, but we made it free. So when I uh, I was out in CES in January and when I was telling people about the game, I said, "All right, well, let's make it free so when I tell them about it, we could uh, they'll be able to just download it without having to pay a dollar." And over that week, we got another 400 downloads. And then turned we, it was temporary. We kept it for a week and then moved it back to paid, at which point we just dropped down to maybe one a day, two a day at max. And about two days ago, I just had the realization. I said, look, if, no, if, if we're not going to get paid for the game, I'd rather, I'd rather have people at least pl- – I'd rather have people playing the game and not getting paid than people not playing the game and not getting paid because the whole point of the game is to be played and uh and just to have people playing it is i mean that's enough for me personally well i mean let's talk about your motivation in a way because uh, clearly it's you're not i guess driven by pure money uh which we've you know discovered about the, the discussion on purists and What's basically driving you to do this? Hard to say, I guess. I, uh, I I like making cool things. And this is something that I thought was a really fun idea. It was a cool concept and wanted to have something original, wanted to get out something a little different, something funny, some cool concepts. And even now, we're not necessarily deterred from creating more stuff. And we're already talking about what, what's the next game going to be. Uh, this is this is really it's a hobby of mine. Is this something that I'd like to do work on full time and see grow? Sure, absolutely. But I'm not going to compromise vision or the joy of it, especially if it's something that is, uh, it, especially if it's something that's just going to take advantage of players. I can't abandon my my ethics and morals just to uh, create something that'll take money and and not work on something that I don't want to work on. You said what keeps people driving forward and what keeps the team moving forward uh, over that time period. And part of that is is that ethic and just making sure you're behind something that you like. Um, if, you're, if you're working on something that kind of compromises it and says, okay, well, how do I make a game that's just going to make money? Well, it's just kind of, it's, it's got to be soul-sucking in some way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I, anyone's I, I, listening yeah. to this and they're wanting to know a little bit more about ethics, I highly suggest going to my website and uh, looking for some of the earlier episodes of my show um, because we had two engineers from Toka Boca and they had the same viewpoint of not doing the in-app purchases. You know, it's for kids. They wanted a very... Uh, a clean experience where there's a, an upfront payment and that is it. And of course, what's happened is their brand has become very uh, trusted. So whenever they release a new game, you know, they get a lot of uh, attention because there's a trust element that they've built up over the years. So uh, it's, I think there's a benefit to being you know, ethical in a way uh, rather than going for the quick uh, clicks and the quick ad money. Um, what is it you do in your uh, daytime job then? Does does this work on the side help you in your 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 daytime career? Yeah, I think it does. It helps flex uh, some more creativity. That um, I mean, granted, there's plenty of creativity that's in the that's in the day job. I work for a um, I don't know if I should. I guess I can name drop it. Right, nothing wrong with that. Notoriety. It's a great company. It's called Centric Digital. That's the company that I work for. And uh, based in New York, they're a uh, digital transformation company. So they'll take companies that are um, not necessarily up to stuff in this modern day. And there's more of them than you could 
possibly imagine. And uh, we'll analyze digital strategy and sometimes execute on that strategy. So I'm a product manager over there. So I'm uh, currently working with two nonprofits uh, to rebuild their websites. And that, that's currently what I'm doing. So the keeping, keeping the creative juices flowing is, is important for, for that kind of job. Making sure you're trying to twist things around. Uh, for, for a lot of the games that I'd create in my previous job and even came concepts that I could think of, think of now, they, they often stem from existing concepts, uh, something wholly original. I believe it exists. But it's also something that is probably derived. You could probably draw roots from something that already does, if that makes sense. Yeah, and sure. taking that and kind of putting that twist on it is kind of a methodology that I like to apply to pretty much anything I'm doing. And it's a good exercise to run. Like, okay, what can I do to make this more interesting? How can I do that? So with Fat Man Rolling, going back to that, for example, um, I, I like auto runners. I play them a lot. It's kind of a cliche genre at this point where you have games like Subway Surfers and Temple Run. But I said, all right, th- what can we do that makes this more interesting? How do we add, for example, a boss fight in there? How can we alter the mechanics? And, and how do we inject humor into it? And that was a way to do it was by adding this kind of uh, duel with a bear without actually severely altering the mechanics, which is something I haven't really seen in a game before. Usually if you get a boss fight in something like, uh, you know, Despicable Me, the, the Minion Rush game, anytime a boss fight happens, or even in the, the Sonic game that ha- that's out, they, it just becomes a series of button taps. I said, okay, well now they, you've just kind of taken me out of the gameplay and it looks cool, but it's not, it's, it, it's not really that engaging to me. Um, how, how do I keep them in the game and make it more dynamic? How do I feel like I'm in control? So and you've also got a demo video as well that people should go and check out. Uh, have you got any, any uh, recommendations about uh, where to get a demo video done? Demos themselves. So we actually made the videos. I made the first video. I And the the compression was pretty bad. I actually created it using... So the, the recording itself wasn't that bad. I used a program called Reflector. And that... It basically, if you're going to Airstream, AirPlay, a device to your computer to work on Windows and Mac, then you can record that, that footage from there. Uh, but I believe that Mac now has that uh, built in. But we just use free video editing. Like I used Windows Media Player for mine. And then when Rob got back on and he said, OK, we need something that's more high def and not this compressed, I said, OK, fine. I'm not sure exactly what to use. I think you just use the uh, whatever the Apple equivalent of Movie Maker is. I forgot what it's called. Um, off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so yeah, because we've uh, you know, it's important to obviously have a, a demo video that people can see before they download the game. I'm also thinking of you know as you're building this, you've got like your team together. Have you used anything to help you go out to anyone that needs a specific expertise? I mean, clearly you're not investing a lot of money to. Uh, build this you're trying to do it from voluntary work uh, are there any suggestions you've got to you know go out and reach people and connect with the right people that can help with the project yeah so we used elance to find the guy who did the music in the game so all the sounds and all the music in the game which uh, which ended out being fantastic was just happened to be by chance we found this guy on elance and he was uh, i'm in brooklyn uh, this guy lives in brooklyn as well we met up, talked to a person, he showed me some examples. He worked on some really high-profile games. Uh, the, I'm going to tell you the name of the guy. His name is uh, Patrick Rumbland. And uh, he, we found him, and the price he quoted was unbelievable considering his profile. And we got 
actually more than we even asked for. So uh, there's a lot of guys hungry for work and a lot of people uh, willing to do it for not that much, uh, not that much money compared to if you go through another agency or if you were to hire a whole company to do it. But you can find those individual people who are really hungry for that work on those websites, such as elance.com, where you can find all special expertises. Uh, you'll, you'll have to pay for those. I don't think you'll necessarily find guys who are willing to do rev share. That's going to be more personal connections. Uh, and and good luck, like I had for sure. I can't necessarily underestimate that part of it. <laughs> well, I have to say, you've just uh, given us a, a golden piece of advice, which I've never heard before, but makes utter sense. Which is, you met the person personally on Elance, and normally it's a very virtual working system. And to, to actually have a coffee with the guy that's going to end up working on your project seems like a very sensible thing to do. Yeah, and he was local, so that helped. And that and that's one of the cool things about that site is you could actually see, oh, where's this person from? Oh, he's in New York. Great. Well, then I could actually have a face to face conversation. And that was that was important to us too. Um, we so three of us are in the are in the area in the New York area. Uh, it used to be all four of us. However, the uh, my programmer, like I said, he's at LinkedIn. It wasn't always the case. He was originally just across the river in New Jersey, but ended up moving away so he's uh, he's a taiwanese guy had to get his green card so about eight months of the project pretty much nothing happened while he was looking for a job that was get his green card so <laughs> so uh, i have to say then jason there's two things we need to do before we say goodbye to you and one is that uh we love trying to uncover new ideas for games or apps that we could be working on uh wondered if uh, you had any ideas that you're willing to share with us? If you do, that's great. If you don't, then maybe I've got another way of fleshing out a potential idea. But uh, have you got any ideas for an app or a game that uh, you could give us a sense of, give us some ideas of what to do? Uh, as far as explicit ideas, I got I got a ton of them. But I mean, they're, they're games that I want to make, unfortunately. Yeah, However, right. So that, as selfish as that sounds, I do I, more so than anything, I guess I want to I'd like to more bring up a philosophy that I want to get across. And that's something where uh, you mentioned free to play before and gouging people for money. Here's the thing. A lot of a lot of those games are actually not that bad. And I will give you a dollar. I will give you two dollars. I will. I would give Candy Crush Saga. I'll admit it. It's like supposed to be evil or baby whatever but i enjoy playing that game for the five lives that they give me if you said if they if king just said hey give us five bucks and you could have unlimited lives we won't halt your progress and you could just play the game then i would give them their five dollars but the whole idea of this insert another quarter system drives me insane so i i just will put out this philosophy that I, I have not given King one descent. I haven't given them anything, and yet I'm on like level 400 something crazy like that, and keep going. But I will not. I will not pay you with the quarter system. But I would really like to bring back the ability to buy a game. Like let me buy a game and play the game. Especially since I play underground, where even if you are going to halt my progress and need me to play a dollar, <laughs> pay a dollar, I, I wouldn't even be able to do it because I don't have an internet connection when I'm doing it <laughs> on a subway. <laughs> um, so that that philosophy, I'd say that if you're going to build a free to play game, let me buy it. Don't just don't just try to steal as much money as possible from me because you're not going to get it. Yeah, I mean that's how we've grown up, isn't it? In a way, uh, buying a game, you get complete gameplay, and then. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about the in-app purchases. I'm wondering if there's a, a potential idea here for a very nice curated uh, list of uh, games that are 
perhaps have, have some sort of ethical standard and then maybe bringing in a standard to uh, to try and judge games on uh, how evil they are or not with uh, the, the whole system of taking money off you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if someone could curate that and put that in an app, um, that could be a potential idea. I, yeah, I, you know what? It's it's like a question of what's evil and quote and things like that because I, I get it. These guys want to make businesses and the core foundation is good. So you clearly have people there who like making good games and can make a good game. And then you have the economist probably whispering in the ear saying, hey, hey, make it, make it four lives instead of five. And I'm specifically pointing at uh, Super Monkey Ball, the uh, – whatever that game is called, the, uh, the, the Peggle knockoff, which is fantastic. Super, Super Monkey Ball Bounce, which is another one of those games that I play, another one of those freemium ones, which is fantastic when you're playing it. But then when you get into these luck-based levels, it's like you might as well be going into an arcade. And it's funny to look back and see how, how we've kind of uh, gone backwards in some ways. You know, people <laughs> people stop going to arcades because you could buy the game at home. Well, now you're getting this thing on your phone that you have to keep putting money into. It it's like the only difference is you're not going someplace to do it. You can you're basically putting in quarters anywhere you are. Only it's not a quarter, it's a dollar, and you're doing it for five lives of something that you may or may not get any any luck out of. You still may keep failing that level over and over and over again. <laughs> there you go, Jason. That is an absolute uh uh, I guess realization that we are moving back in a way and going back to those arcades, but just the difference is we're, we're doing it at home on our phone. <laughs> so, uh, so there's uh, one last thing we need to ask you, which is uh, this is the App Guy podcast. Love talking about apps. I'm wondering, I've already mentioned a few games. Uh, do you have uh, one or two apps, games, anything uh, that you use on your smartphone that you could recommend to us uh, that we f- you feel that may not have come up before? Yeah, so I guess uh, unconventionally, I could say that uh, an app that's not necessarily an app, but more of an, uh, a tool, which I really liked and we used for Fat Man Rolling, was uh, something called Crashlytics, which is kind of an alternative to test flight. And that was a cool stat tracking thing. And you could actually see um, people playing in real time, which is pretty cool. It's very basic, very simple, but if you're beta testing an application, like we were doing with a bunch of friends of ours, it was a, it was a fantastic tool to be able to to use and something where test flight I found to be very cumbersome and confusing, uh, especially for getting on new users. And granted, this is something that I've used uh, probably two years ago. That was before it was rolled into uh, iTunes Connect officially, but was Crash it easy Lytics. to put into uh, your? Was the SDK easy to put into? Uh, you know, and you put into the game. I can't speak to that 100%. I'm not the programmer. So All right, okay. I, my, my role was specifically, uh, so uh, I was game design, producer, kind of just like the ringmaster of it all and uh, kind of keeping track of everything. That was me. And uh, and I was the guy who the programmer would curse at when I said, oh, can you add this in? And he'd say, no. And I'd okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh but well, if anyone but he, wants to, um, have, that, if anyone so. wants to have links to that, just go to theappguy.co and search out episode two three two with Jason, and I will, uh, I'll put links to the things that you've already mentioned and uh, Crashlytics as well, which I know I've seen before in the past, and it's exceptionally good at uh, helping identify pr- problems and crashes. Yeah. Well, can I can I bring up one more? Go on, go for we it. Did, we love apps. We did, we did talk about. I, I did say I'm a purist, so I'd be. It would be rude of me not to mention any game that is not just a pure, beautiful gameplay experience. And this is one that uh, I guess kind of goes without saying. But Monument Valley, which came out uh, last year and was uh, Apple's game of the year, it's a it's a four dollar experience worth every penny, and it is just beautiful 
and uh, a very trippy experience, but uh, absolutely gorgeous and a lot of fun. It's brief, but well worth your time. And that's $4 with zero microtransactions. Well, I guess you get more levels in there, but um, you get a complete experience for that. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost thinking back on last year and one of my highlights was Leo's Fortune, which came out as well. And I don't think that had any in-app purchases. My kids loved it. And, uh, you know, you compare that with Minion Rush and the cost of one of the characters, I think was like $35 or something. Uh, So, yeah, it's a very different um, philosophy. And uh, so Monument Valley, I'll put another link on there. Jason, have we? Um, is there anything we've left out? You feel we should have covered in your journey, game game developer journey? Um, no, I think as far as the journey goes, I think uh, we kind of covered it. Would you um, Would you recommend it? Yeah. Would you, you know, as a, a side project, would you recommend getting into game development to anyone out there? Absolutely, I'd say if it's something. Well, I wouldn't say to anybody. If you don't play games, don't don't make them. If uh, if you don't have an interest in making games, don't make them. Uh, but if you if you want to do it, if you whatever it is you want to do, go ahead and do that. If you have an app for any idea, I mean, I like I was telling you before we started recording, I listened to a bunch of episodes before. I mean, if any of those sounded like a good idea, go make it. Uh, so I, especially if it's something that you could just do in your free time, just chip away. Nothing necessarily has to happen overnight. And now more than ever, all the tools are available to do something in your free time. You don't need the backing of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to do anything. You have these middlewares, especially if you're getting into games. You have things like Coco Studio. You have things like Unity. I'm, I'm personally teaching myself uh, Unity right now so I could try to create the next game that we, that we put out. So these are things that I know is not going to happen overnight or over the next couple of months. But it's something that, given time, it'll happen. So you just chip at it away, uh, you know, little by little, and you'll get there. Take some patience, but everything is there for you. So I also have to say that there's a little bit of a coolness in in the idea of when you introduce yourself at a party or some get together. You know, you can say, "Yes, I'm a product manager," but you know, I'm also a game developer, a producer of games, and uh, I just think that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it actually, it was something that I I would tell people. So I'd tell them, "Oh yeah, this is what I do," and I'm like, "Okay," and and then I'd say, "Oh yeah," and also I. I make this game and then I'd show it to him. And before the game came out, every time I showed it to him and said, oh, man, when can I play that? And I said, oh, well, eventually. <laughs> so we didn't really have a timetable because we had no idea uh, when it was really going to be done. Every, every time I set something, I said, oh, yeah, this is when we're going to go live. This is when we're going to go live. It never happened. It never happened. Uh, but that's, that's going to be the casualty of working on it part time. And, you know, you're not going to hold somebody like I, I when it, our, our programmer had a baby over the course of uh, like full cycle. <laughs> how, how dare he? I mean, that's just, you know, I'm cool. I know. He, and we, we credited the baby in the game as well. Uh, he's, he's our fat baby rolling. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure when the, the uh, is a, a he, I'm sure when he grows up, he's going to love that, uh, you know, connection. There. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he will. Uh, but that, so that just goes to tell you, I mean, we're, you know, you got a guy with a baby and he's doing part time. So he's working full time. Then he's come back. Then he's got a kid. And then he's still putting in maybe an hour or two into into this game every uh, every week or so. And just and you so, have the guy with the green card yeah. thing as well. That's the same guy. Same oh, guy. Oh, right. Oh, right. This guy, okay. this guy just went through all the trials and tribulations <laughs> that are there for, yeah. uh, for, game, for game development. It's oh, I see. Okay. So, uh, 
well, I mean, I have to say, uh, very inspirational to talk to you because, in a way, uh, just you know, hearing that from two hours a week you can create uh, a game, and you know, as long as you have the dedication over time and to see it through, and you have the audacity to keep people connected and moving in the, the forward with the project, you can you can achieve these things. So I think for anyone out there who is listening to this, look what you can do, which is two hours a week, uh, you can create a game. So um, thanks very much, Jason, for coming on the App Guide podcast. Uh, how best can we reach out and connect with you? Uh, yeah, so you can. I, I think the best way to do it would be Twitter and Facebook. So we're on facebook.com slash fatmanrolling. Uh, we will have a company page, but right now we just want to kind of push everything towards the game. So uh, we could use some likes over there. Uh, we could use some followers on Twitter. We are at PDGamesNYC um, under fatmanrolling team. So uh, those, those are going to be the best places to uh, to reach out. Great, Jason. Thanks very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great.